Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode number 73. This is the second episode of the three-episode drop for Mopar Monday. What I failed to tell you in the last episode was that in the middle of looking for a scat pack, I had a giant realization, and that realization was that I actually wanted to start from scratch and work on some other aspects of content creation that I just wasn't motivated enough to do with my current projects, my Dart and my D100. I was overwhelmed with them. Uh, that's just me being candid and honest. And I was really starting to feel the pressure like, gosh, what am I doing with these things? You know, I've got X amount of dollars invested. What am I going to do? And I came to the realization that I was missing out on a lot of fun and a lot of content by not having a Mopar project that I could drive and enjoy while working on it at the same time. This meant that I had to let go of one of my Mopar projects so that I could get some cash to hunt down a Mopar that would be more manageable and use it to launch some fresh new content as I dive into the video side of content creation. I'm really lacking in the video department and that's something that I really want to work to change. But there was a huge problem with selling one of my Mopars and the problem was that I couldn't decide which one I was willing to cut loose because I had developed a sentimental attachment to both of them. This is the story of how I decided it was time for big changes for the Mopar Hunter and the Talking Mopars podcast by liquidating my Mopar projects and a ton of my parts. So without further ado, if you are a Mopar enthusiast, then you are in the right place. Don't go anywhere. You're tuned into the best Mopar enthusiast-driven podcast on planet Earth, and I'm your host, Chris Albrecht, better known as the Mopar Hunter, and this is Talking Mopars. <laughs> You're listening to Talking Mopars with the Mopar Hunter, your direct connection to all things Mopar. You know, I thought about it pretty hard, but I'd be lying if I said that the decision to sell one of my Mopars wasn't a very impulsive one. It absolutely was. Even more impulsive was the decision to cut them both loose since I couldn't decide which one I was ready to let go. I thought it would be easier to just let them both go than to only let one go and end up missing that one more than the one that I kept. So I had decided that they both would be put up for sale and the idea was that I'd break even on the cars and the parts that I had accumulated for them. So I put them and some of the parts I had up for sale on all the channels that I have uh, offer up Facebook, Craigslist, and immediately I was blowing up. So I had priced them both at what I thought was fair, but looking back, I probably left a little money on the table just hoping they'd find good homes, and they both did. Um, in today's market in the Mopar world, it's really hard to find decent shells to work with, and my dart was a really decent shell. It had a really clean floor, and the rust on the body itself was pretty minimal, I mean, compared to a lot of things you see out there, and I was asking $3,500 for the dart. I ended up letting it go for $2,300 because the guy who bought it let me keep a bunch of parts. So that was cool um, because he didn't he didn't like the six-pack hood. I have a fiberglass six-pack hood for the dart. He didn't like that. So I got to keep that. And I also got to keep a small block engine transmission, a 318 and a 904 combination um, that I was going to include with the sale of the dart along with the drive line to throw in there for the small block and a couple other random parts, but he didn't want any of that stuff and he wanted me to lower the price. So I actually sold the dart for 2,300 bucks. And you know, at the end of the day, I, I actually did a little bit better than breaking even because he had those parts taken off because I had factored those in to be a good deal. But once he had those taken off, I just basically took the amount of money that I would have sold them for and subtracted it from the dart. And I, 
somehow, some way, I ended up being on the upside of things when I sold the dart, and that's fine. The guy who bought it, his name's Tracy. He owns one of the coolest darts in the Pacific Northwest, and it's actually F8 green, you know, just like mine. And it actually, if my dart was actually built and finished, it would look a lot like Tracy's, but his is on a completely different level. The fabrication and just the craftsmanship in that car is amazing. And it's got a big wedge in it and it runs in like nine seconds in the quarter mile, at like 150. Um, it's about to be uh, blown with alcohol. So it was, it was blown before and now it's about to be alcohol injected and he's having a, a wing put on one of those aluminum drag wings and a parachute. So it's going to be a really cool car and really fast. It should probably break the eights now, but, um, it was awesome that he bought the car because I've always looked at his car as something that I wish mine could be someday. And I know how much money that guy has in that car and it, I would never be able to do that. So I ended up getting the story from him that he wants to buy my car because he wants to give it to his grandson. So his grandson can have a car just like his grandpa's. And I thought that was awesome. That was, that was exactly what I had hoped for this car. So he ended up buying my Craigers too, which I really wanted to hold on to him, but you know, he said, name your price. So I, I named my price that I was willing to let him go for. And I ended up selling him, um, which ended up biting me later on down the line, but we'll get to that later. Um, so his grandson's going to get a car that looks just like his grandpa's. And that's, like I said, amazing. Awesome. I love hearing those stories and hopefully my dart will spark that young man's interest in cars just as much as his grandpa's because now he has a dart of his own. So that's awesome. The parts that were left over were my six pack hood, the engine and transmission that I was throwing in and just random miscellaneous stuff that I was going to throw in with the dart that, you know, he didn't want. And you know, that's fine. So I also sold my D 100 and I knew that was going to be a tough one because I really loved that truck. You know, when I set out to buy a tin grill, I didn't set out to buy one on air ride. I wanted a hot rod truck. So when I got the D 100, I based my purchase on the way it looked as far as its color combination of all things. It was two-tone blue and white and had the clearance lights on the top of the cab, which I thought were awesome. And, you know, steelies with um, the police vented poverty hubcaps. It looked great and it was slammed. So, you know, if you listen to the episode where I talked about my D100, you would know that it was kind of an intensive project. It needed a lot of fabrication work in the back end of the truck. And I just didn't have the skills. And little did I know, a lot of the fabrication was okay. But um, there was a couple of really sketchy things that needed to be fixed. And I just, you know, I lost motivation. Let's be honest. When I got into the rewiring of the truck, somewhere along the line, I just lost interest. I tried to get it back. I tried working on it and I just wasn't feeling it. So I ended up giving up on the project. You know, that's just me being honest. Same with the dart. I gave up on that one too. And my motto is no Mopar left behind. And I was leaving these behind by just leaving them in my garage to rot away instead of selling them to somebody who could do something with them. So that's what I set out to do. And the guy who bought my D100 actually was somebody that I knew from the local Mopar scene. And he's wanted my truck for a while. And I finally, you know, when I put it up for sale, he reached out. He was one of the first guys to reach out to me. And I was like, oh gosh, here we go. And, uh, you know, as it turns out, he was definitely the perfect person to buy it because he has amazing fabrication skills. He builds off-road vehicles. He's got a tube bender. He's a hell of a welder. 
So in my eyes, as far as the people that were reaching out to me about buying the D100, he was the best candidate to buy it. Because like I said, I wanted my car and my truck to go to people that I knew would take them to the level that I couldn't. And Tracy was going to do that with the Dart for his grandson. And Will was going to do that for my D100. He was going to build it and get it on the road and get it up to par. And I'm really looking forward to seeing that thing on the road at shows and all that fun stuff. But I was asking $3,850 for the D100. Um, it ended up selling for $3,850. And like I said, my friend Will bought it. And there were some extra parts that I had to go along with it. Um, because I, I spent so much money on both of the projects in just parts. I mean, in my Dart, I probably had, gosh, just ballparking it, seven or $8,000 just in parts and the price of the Dart. And in my D100, I was right up there too because I, I just got nickeled and dimed with all the stuff I was buying for it. And it was just really depressing knowing that I had bought all the parts for both of those vehicles and I really made no progress. And the only person to blame for that is myself. So that's why I decided to cut them both loose. First of all, because I didn't want to have regrets of the one I cut loose. And, you know, if they were both gone, then I wouldn't feel bad about it. And I would have more money to look for another project. And, you know, I was also in the midst of trying to find a scat pack charger. So, you know, my head was just in all sorts of different directions. But as it turns out, selling both of the projects and looking for something better was probably the best thing I could have done for myself and for what I'm trying to create with the Mopar Hunter and talking Mopars. So here I am selling both of my projects. They're both gone on the same day. That was tough. <laughs> you know, both the guys, both Tracy and Will came on the same day to pick up the projects. And, you know, I got some pretty cool pictures of both of them loaded up and, you know, as hard as it was to let them go, I knew it was for the better. And halfway through them taking them, I felt really good about it. I was like, yes, take them, <laughs> you know, do something with them. And I knew that I was going to have a pocket full of cash. And for me, the hunt is, you know, is one of the biggest thrills of the whole Mopar Hunter thing. I love hunting cars, you know, and for the past several years, I've been hunting cars just in general, but not for myself, you know, not seriously for myself. So I looked at, you know, a bunch of Mopars that I had every intention to buy, but something along the way stopped me. And there was a few that um, were Mopars that I had known about, but I'd never really stopped and asked if they were for sale because I really didn't have the money. And I don't like to be that guy. You know, a lot of the time I like to just watch them and see what happens. And if I ever have the money, I would go and see if they were for sale. And now that both of my projects were sold, I have the money. So it was time to start looking. And the cars that I knew about locally, if any one of those cars was so crazy that I absolutely had to have it, I would have went there a long time ago, whether or not I had the cash or not, just to see if it was for sale. But they weren't high on my priority list. And I decided to just, you know, do my normal search. And my searches included Facebook Marketplace locally, Craigslist locally and OfferUp. OfferUp's pretty good. That's where I got my D100. Um, and also driving around, just seeing what was out there. But uh, I already knew that I was going to buy the 
van from my friend Stacy. I've been talking about that for a while. That is still on the table, folks. I'm not giving up on that van. I want it. So the van was still in the back of my head. And my friend Will sends me a link on OfferUp to this pretty cool red and white 73 van. It's a shorty for like six grand or $6,300. And it had a 360, a 720, or no, it didn't have a 727. It had, um, I forget what transmission it had, but it did not have a 727. It had a more modern transmission with overdrive, but it had headers, an intake, you know, uh, it just basically had a little warmed up 360. And, you know, it was a shorty. And in the pictures, it looked amazingly clean. You know, in pictures, sometimes they do a vehicle a lot of justice, and sometimes they don't. In this case, as it turns out, <laughs> the pictures did that van a lot of justice. So I head out to, you know, deep, deep West Seattle to go take a look at this van. And, you know, I had cash on me. I was ready to buy this thing. And I had negotiated with this guy. I said, hey, you know, where are you at really? And I basically offered him five grand sight unseen, which was a mistake because you should never offer money for a car or van, truck, whatever, a Mopar, unless you've seen it first. But I wanted this thing and I didn't want anybody to get it from under me because it was so clean or at least it appeared that way. So I head out there with my dad. I took my dad along for the ride because, you know, he's the one who got me into vans and I thought it would be fun to do a little father-son Mopar mission and go get this van. So we go take a look at the van. It presents really well. We rolled up to the guy's house and the van was sitting there and I was like, oh my God, yeah, this is a done deal. I'm buying this thing <laughs> before I even drive it. That's how stupid I am. Oh, on the way to find this van, I really had to go to the bathroom. So I'm like driving, everywhere is closed and I'm driving and I can't find a place because like typically, you know, a restaurant or something, you'd stop in really quick, like at a McDonald's or something and go to the bathroom, but all the lobbies were closed. So I'm driving down these side roads, you know, by the guy's house, just looking for a place to go to the bathroom really quick, you know? Um, and I look over in this apartment complex and there is like a 73 rally challenger. <laughs> it was yellow with black top and, uh, it looked to be reasonably intact. And as it turns out, one of my buddies from work has known about that car forever because he lived in that area for a long time. So that's that little side story. But anyways, I get to the van, we roll up on it. It looks great. And then as we start taking a closer look, you know, things started to, you know, present themselves, you know, a little body work, shoddy body work at that. Um, you know, just, just things that you would expect from something that old, but at the same time, you know, for five grand, you know, I'm cheap. I was looking at it and I was like, gosh, you know, if I'm going to be spending this amount of money and working on something, you know, it better be in better shape, you know? And I was looking at some of the fabrication work that was done by the previous owner and it just didn't, gosh, it needed some work. And I really had plans for the van. And I thought that buying this one would save me a lot of trouble because the one I'm getting from my friend Stacy needs more work. And that's fine for the price that I'm getting it for. But this van, you know, at five grand, I was hoping I wouldn't have to do too much work to the body and that I could just strip out the interior and start to work on the interior right away. But that wasn't the case. It also had some electrical stuff going on with it. Uh, the guy who owned it before the guy I was trying to buy it from did some weird stuff to it. And one of the things he did was graft in a, a power sunroof 
out of like a Toyota, like a Toyota car. And he did a horrible job, um, if you ask me. And the roof was just really wavy and it had a lot of imperfections in it. And there's just something about a roof and straightening out a roof that just bothers me and I do not want to do it. <laughs> so, you know, that was the big red flag for me, surprisingly, because I did take the van for a spin and it drove well, as well as a short wheelbase, 360 powered, you know, van with two inch lift blocks. I think it was two inch lift blocks in the back would drive, <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, it did have an eight and three quarter with a 489 and a uh, sure grip in it, which was cool. But, um, you know, and the 360 was cool. And it was kind of a little hot rod van, you know, and it moved pretty good. The brakes were a little sketchy. I'll tell you that when we were coming down a hill and I was standing on that pedal just to get the thing to slow down. I was like, oh, geez. But uh, so I take it back and, you know, I, the five grand is burning a hole in my pocket because I really wanted to replace my projects because as soon as they were gone, although I didn't have any regrets, there was a void in my life immediately, a Mopar void, and it had to be filled. <laughs> so you know, after taking the van for a drive, you know, also one thing that was a little sketchy on it, it had one of those really small steering wheels, like really small. And it was really hard to drive this thing because it wandered a little bit and the steering was loose. So it was really sketchy. And I was, to be honest with you, I was actually not looking forward to the drive home because I had a long drive home and this thing was a little sketchy and I was going to have to take the freeway. So that had me, you know, a little worried, but you know, nothing that I, I wouldn't be man enough to take on, you know what I mean? But we get back and I really start thinking in my head, is this really something I want to get into for this amount of money? And I came to the conclusion that no, you know, if he would have sold it to me for like, this is going to sound low baller, <laughs> but like 2,500, you know, I probably would have bought it. But for five grand, I had to bring my own wheels and tires because he wanted to keep the ones that he had and cause he had new tires on it, new wheels. Um, and this actually, I was looking at this van right before I actually sold my Dart because I went there with my Craigers in the back of my truck because I knew that the guy wanted to keep his wheels and tires. So I was going to switch um, my Craigers for him and I was going to drive the van home with Craigers. But as it turns out, at this time, Tracy had already paid me for the Dart. He just hadn't picked it up yet and he wanted to buy the Craigers, but I told him they weren't for sale. And as it turns out, the day he came to pick up the car, he, you know, talked me into selling him the Craigers. I named my price. He bought them. So that was that. So this was right before I actually sold the Dart, you know, before it actually left my house. I had his money, but he hadn't taken the Dart yet, which was, you know, very trustworthy of him. But he also knew where I worked and he knew where I lived. So and I'm not the type of guy to screw somebody like that. So at the end of the day, I didn't buy the van. And I was relieved, you know, I didn't spend the money and, you know, that's always an, a, a good feeling to have when you're relieved that you didn't buy something. And then you start thinking, well, how would I have felt if I had bought it? And I realized that I probably would have got myself back into the same position where I'm like, okay, this thing needs more work than I have time for at this moment or space too. I, I don't have much space in my garage. So space was definitely an issue and you know, the more I thought about it, the more I was happy that the van didn't work out. So I ended up moving on and looking for something else. And that's okay because like I said, half the fun for me is the hunt. And, you know, it just so happened. Of course, the time that I have money in my pocket, you know, to go Mopar shopping, 
there is like nothing locally that is really sparking my interest, which was surprising because usually there's something that, oh man, if I had the money, I'd go look at that. But I never had the money because I was always Mopar broke with uh, my current projects that were now being sold. So at this point, I had already sold both of my, my Dart and my truck. And I realized after I had sold both of them that the one I cared more about was the truck. I really missed my tin grill because I really developed an obsession with them, you know, in 2015. And it took me, you know, like two or three years to find one that I wanted to buy. And that was the blue one that I ended up buying and that I just sold. So, you know, I, I wouldn't call it regret, but I was like, God, I really miss that thing. And I miss a tin grill because I like them so much. So I started hunting for tin grills and, you know, there was a couple other cars that were here and there, you know, there was a 72 duster 340 car that looked pretty good, but it was like nine or 10 grand. And that was down in gosh, Camas, Washington, or somewhere by the border of Washington and Oregon. And I was ready to drive down there with a U-Haul trailer and buy that car pretty much sight unseen other than pictures on the internet, because I was like, oh man, 340 duster, this is cool. And I eventually, you know, I, I came to my senses and I was like, ah, that's a long drive. It's a lot of money for a car that looks like it needs a lot of work. And once again, I'd be in that situation, but it ran and drove. That's where I was like, Ooh, this might be good. It had a shark tooth grill. And, you know, at first I was like, this might be the one and something just inside me, something said, nah, this ain't the one dude. So I backed out of that. And then, uh, you know, like I said, any Mopars that I was interested in were slim pickings locally. Anyway, I would have had to travel to find something that I really wanted. And I wasn't really willing to travel at that point, but I ended up, and this is how I work. You know, I will force things, <laughs> you know what I mean? If there's nothing on the local classifieds, I will force things. So what I did, you know, on a whim is I started going through my old Facebook messages because sometimes on Mopars that I'm really interested in, I'll actually reach out to the seller and just see where their head's at, you know, where the money really is and see if it's something I can swing. And there's been quite a few of those types of vehicles in the past. And one of them was a tin grill. It was a black short bed tin grill. Um, I think that one was a 77 or a 78, but um, I liked it a lot. It had uh, the buddy bucket seats. It was uh, an adventure SE. So it had, you know, some d decent options on it and it ran and drove, it had a little small block in it. So I thought that was cool. And I found the guy that I reached out to about the truck. And as it turns out, he didn't have that truck anymore, but he had a different truck. So I was like, okay, I'm listening. And he said, you know, it's a short bed, black. And I'm like, okay. And in my head, I'm like, oh my, this might be it. And he goes, it's got a 440. And I'm like, ooh, you know, and if you pay attention to my social media, I actually did a video the day I was going to get that thing because I had every intention of buying that thing. And we had negotiated six grand, um, six grand or 6,500. I forget. I think it was 6,500. And that was how much the money was burning a hole in my pocket, you know, cause this thing, you know, it had a spray painted, uh, black paint job on it. You know, it needed work, but the 440, the fact that it ran and drove, it had a rebuilt transmission, you know, there was, it had a lot of things going for it where I was like, okay, it runs and drives, needs a little body work, but it had no rust on it either. And I set out to buy that truck. So I went down there 
And thankfully, I didn't borrow my friend's trailer or get a U-Haul from where I lived. I waited until I got about, you know, 20 minutes away from the guy's house and I rented a U-Haul car trailer down there. And I ended up going out to his house, looking at the truck. He had a lift in his shop, so we put it up on the lift. I got to look underneath it. You know, it leaked a little bit of fluids here and there, but nothing crazy. You know, nothing that was too concerning, even though it did leak some transmission fluid and the transmission was freshly rebuilt. So I was a little concerned about that, but no big deal. I can take care of something like that. So I'm looking at it and underneath it was super clean, no rust. And that's kind of hard to find when it comes to tin grills. So I'm looking at this thing, no rust. And, you know, I'm really pumped. I'm like, okay, this is, this might be the one I heard it running. Um, and finally we're like, okay, let's take it for a spin. You know, he asked me if I wanted to drive it. Yeah, of course. So he pulls it out and, you know, he's like, this thing's kind of cold blooded. And I was like, all right, well, let's just let it warm up for a little bit. So it's sitting there idling and I'm just looking for, you know, you know, when he started it, I was looking for smoke. Um, I don't, I think it was cold when he started it. At least I didn't feel like it was warmed up yet. So that was good. So I didn't see any smoke upon initial startup and, you know, we're sitting there and he has all the paperwork and he's like, oh, here's the paperwork. And we look at the, uh, we look at the title and he had told me that he had done some, you know, body part switching and swapping, <laughs> you know what I mean? And as it turned out, the title that he had in his hand was not for the vehicle, not for the truck that I was intending on buying. And we knew that because I checked the cab and I checked the door and both of those VINs did not match the one on the title. And I was like, whoa, 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 we're not going, we're not doing this because in the past I bought a vehicle for like $600 and I ended up selling it because it was a, it was a big project and I had my sights set on other things, other Mopar things. And I sold it for, oh gosh, I bought it for 600 and I sold it for, I want to say 2,500. I forget. It's been so long, but the next morning, I'm going to the bathroom first thing in the morning and my phone call and I, or my phone rings and I answer it and it's the guy and he is livid. He is pissed. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa what? And he's like, what kind of car did you sell me? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, uh, what? <laughs> and he tells me the title does not match the body of this car or the chassis. And I was like, oh no. And it's one thing that I never did. I never checked to see if the body and the chassis matched the title. So I explained to him, look, I didn't even check those numbers. I had no idea. I'm not trying to screw you over. Um, you can keep, you know, I was trying to figure out a way to, you know, rectify the situation. And he was like, look, I still want the car because I have one and I can use this one for parts, but you got to do something about this price because I really don't want to haul it all the way back up to your house and get a partial refund. So, or whatever the case was going to be. And I think I was actually going <laughs> to, I was going to give him all his money back and he was going to drop the car off and we were going to figure out something where I pay him a little bit of money to transport it back to me. But in the end, he ended up buying it as a parts car for twice what I paid for it. So like 1200 bucks. So I still have the title for that car. So there's a car out there that I have the title for, and I don't know where it's at. It's probably, hopefully it's at the bottom of Lake or something. I don't know, but I don't want that ever to come back and bite me. Um, so that was the case with this truck is that, you know, some parts had been swapped and the title that we were looking at was not matching of this truck. And immediately I just had a 
bad feeling. And I was like, no, I'm not doing this. He even dropped the price by a grand, you know, and he's like, let me go see if I can find the other title. And when he walked away, I was just looking at the truck and I was like, is this something that I really want anyway? And, you know, as cool as it sounded, you know, going down there, I was like big block truck, you know, short bed, black, you know, no rust. As good as that sounded, when I was standing there looking at it, it didn't look like mine. <laughs> you know, it, it's weird. I know it sounds weird, but I'm looking at that thing and I'm like trying to envision myself with this truck and the content that I want to create. And I was like, is this really, you know, the vehicle that's going to take me to the next level as far as uh, my content? And I was like, gosh, you know, I just don't see it. And, you know, combine that with the title issues and, you know, we were walking away. So I ended up walking away from that thing. And he actually found the title that matched the cab, I think, because he had several titles, it sounded like, and it just seemed sketchy. He was a nice guy, but you never know. Some of the nicest guys are the ones that screw you over the worst. So I ended up walking away from that, <laughs> you know, and I rented the trailer and that was over a hundred dollars and I managed to get half of my money back. So I had already wasted some money, wasted a day. And cause I took the day off work, so I wasn't getting paid. So, I mean, on my way back to drop the U-Haul off, I made a video and I put it on Facebook. I was just pissed <laughs> and you can hear it in the video, but I ended up returning the U-Haul and on my way home, I just started thinking and I had a pocket full of cash and I say a pocket full of cash. I was going down there to buy it for 6,500, but I had brought a bunch of money because at the time I had a bunch of money and you know, maybe this is too much information, but if you deposit a bunch of cash into the bank, like more than $10,000, you know, you get, you get flagged and they're like, okay, we need to, you know, talk to you about this money or whatever you need to declare it or something like that. So I had a bunch of money that I was waiting to deposit and, you know, I was actually thinking about that F8 green charger on the way home. And this was the second time where I had thought about going to look at it. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm so mad. I'm going to trade this truck in right now and I'm going to buy that F8 green charger and I'll be done with it. And I'll figure out something else down the road. And, you know, I came to my senses real quick and I was like, no, 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 that's not the move, dude. That's not the move. You're just pissed, you know, calm down. And as I passed the exit for that charger, it dawned on me. I was like, there's a handful of cars that I want to look at because now I have the cash and I had some of these cars were vehicles that some of my friends from work had seen when they were on route because I work for a garbage company. So, you know, all the employees of this company are everywhere in the service area. So all the employees for the service company are everywhere in the service area. So they see a lot of cars and stuff. And a bunch of my friends know Mopar guys. So when they see Mopars, they send me pictures and addresses. So I had a few of those in the back of my mind. And I was like, you know, this is the time I got the money. Let's go see if there's a deal to be had. So the first one I went and looked at was a uh, 1967 Barracuda It's a fastback, and it's been sitting in the same spot for like five years. So as long as I've been working for the company. So I was like, all right, this is my shot. So I go there and every time I've been there before, nobody's been home, but this time I lucked out and somebody was home, the original owner of it. Well, not the original owner, but one of the first owners of the car. And she was an older lady, very, very sweet, very nice. I wasn't expecting her to take me seriously, but, uh, cause I pulled up, 
in front of her house. And I saw her look out the window, like, who the hell is this? <laughs> right. And I come walking out and super nice. I talk to her about the car and I say, Hey, is your Barracuda for sale? I, I work for this garbage company that comes around this route. And I've known about this car for a long time. And I even left you a couple cards, but I never heard anything back. I'm just trying to find out if the car is for sale or not. She tells me she's had the car since high school. She's really not sure if she wants to sell it, but you know, I found out it was a slant six car. And as far as she knew, it was mostly original and the car's pretty solid from what I can see. You know, I didn't get underneath it or anything, but the quarters look solid. It doesn't look like it has any Bondo on it. It looks like the original faded black paint. And she did say, go ahead and leave me your card. And I, you know, I pulled the gangster move and I pulled out the wad of cash and I go, Hey, just so you know, I'm a serious buyer. I mean, I could cash you out right now. And you know, she, she held firm and I respect her for that. She said, I'm not sure if I want to sell it. And I was like, okay, well, if you ever change your mind, there's my card. Let me know, give me a call and we can talk. So I left there with a little hope that maybe, you know, in a couple of days, maybe she'd call me or email me. That never happened. <laughs> but the other vehicle or one of the other vehicles that I'd known about was a 70 Challenger sitting underneath a car cover in an area not too far away in the same city. So I go over to knock on the door of this Challenger and I roll up and it's got what I can see. It's got rally wheels and I end up knocking on the door and the owner comes to the door and I end up talking to the owner and it's actually an A66 package car. So it's a 340 non-RT but it has a uh, four speed pistol grip. And I, I, if I remember right, it's B5 blue on B5 blue. And the guy has all the parts, but the project is blown apart. So in my head, I'm going, damn it, another project that is like above my head, you know, and I'm going to get sunk in it. But he says he has all the parts and it is an A66 package car. So in my head, I'm like, okay, well, you got a pocket full of cash. Let's see where this guy's at. And I say, well, if you had to sell it, you know, what number would get you to sell that car to me today? And he looked without hesitation, without a hitch in his step. He looks me dead in the eye and says 30 grand. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. And once I peeled myself off the ceiling, I said, well, I don't have $30,000, but I'm willing to offer you $17,000. And I pulled out a wad of cash. And the guy, you know, he's a stone faced killer. He could not give a, you know what, about how much money I had in my pocket if it was less than 30 grand. So we talked for a little bit, you know, he's a nice enough guy. And I told him, look, I'm not a flipper or anything. I just want a really cool project. And I'm a real big fan of e-bodies. And I just, you know, it's not too often that you see one just at least in my area, it's not too often that you see one sitting in a driveway. So I was really curious more than anything, you know, what the deal was on the car, if you're willing to sell it or, you know, what's its story? Is it a 318 car or whatever? But as it turns out, a 66, 344 speed car. So very cool. Um, so I left my card with him and I said, Hey, look, if you just want the, cause he did tell me that he would like the car to go to somebody who's going to finish it and enjoy it or whatever. And I would be that guy, <laughs> you know, cause a 70 challenger, you know, that there's a lot of content to be had in a project like that. But at the end of this day, I did not get the challenger and I ended up leaving my card and going to look at a 70 duster that I knew about that my friend Kevin had um, sent me pictures of and an address for. And on my way to go see the 70 duster in the same city, I'm driving, I look over and I see a boogie van. 
a Dodge Boogie van. And I'm like, oh my God. And it's like a 70, I think it was a 78. Um, it was one of the later 70s models, um, but not like a 79. It was either a 77 or a 78 because it had the newer style dash. But any, anyways, short, it was a shorty. So it was a short wheelbase van. Um, it did have the giant windows, like the big square windows in the back, which I don't like. I like the little bubble porthole windows, but, uh, I looked at it anyway. I knocked on the door. Nobody answered. I left a card. Uh, I've been in that city multiple times and I don't ever remember seeing that thing. So I left a card, still haven't gotten a call from them either. And, uh, ended up going to look at the 70 duster. Of course, nobody home. Duster looks really clean. It's got a big patch of primer on one side on the driver's side because apparently it had been sideswiped but you know it presented well other than that the quarters looked clean it was dark green or f8 <laughs> my favorite color at the time <laughs> and um you know just based on what i could see it didn't have fender well headers or anything like that so i assumed it was a small block car um column shift um it had the split bench seat with the armrest that comes down and it just, it looked clean. And I was like, gosh, this thing is probably, you know, what would I pay for it? You know, in my head is what I'm thinking. I'm like, gosh, it's probably up there, you know, somewhere between seven and 10,000 probably. And that's how clean it was. Um, but I left a, I left a card and, you know, on the card I wrote, do you want to sell? I have cash <laughs> and I underlined cash like three times, you know, just to see if I could get somebody to call me and, he didn't call me for a while. He called me a few weeks or a couple weeks later. And this was already after surprise, I had bought something. <laughs> so I told him, oh man, I, if you had called me that day, I probably would have cashed you out right there on the spot, <laughs> you know, but he was telling me he was getting offers for like three, four, five grand or offers less than five grand. He really wasn't interested. And, you know, he asked me what I thought it was worth. And I was like, I don't know. If you had caught me at the right day, I might've given you 10 grand, <laughs> you know? And he's like, really? And I'm like, well, I mean, it was already too late by then. So I was like, yeah, I mean, sure. <laughs> but, uh, so like I said, at that time I'd already bought the Mopar that we're going to be talking about, <laughs> but, um, the duster was a fail that day that I went to look at it. And over the span of the next few days, I had, uh, a guy that I know who lives in my state. His name's Dustin. Cool dude. He's got a lot of cool cars, um, but he also has a nice little collection of tin grills. And he was asking me if, you know, I was interested in any of the trucks he had. So he sent me a bunch of pictures and he did have a really cool 77 Adventure short bed that was black. It had a 360 in it. It was complete and it ran and drove. I was immediately interested. So you know, we're talking, he sends me these pictures and I see a van in the background. And I'm like, what's the story on the van? It's like root beer brown. And it's got some nice little slotted mags or whatever, or slotted wheels and uh, slotted chrome wheels is what it had. It, they almost looked like little red express wheels anyways. So it looked pretty clean too. And he told me at the time that the van wasn't for sale, blah, blah, blah. But I was like, that's okay. I'm more, I already have a van that I'm already committed to and I'm sticking to my guns on that but tell me about this short bed. So, you know, we talk for a while and, you know, he gives me his price and I'm like, that's great. The price is really good. And he just wanted to see it go to a good home. And he knew I liked tin grills. So 77 adventure, two wheel drive, 360 black buddy buckets, 
you know, I liked it. I was ready to buy it. But, you know, as good as the price was, there was now that I had something on lock because he's like, I'm not advertising this thing anywhere. If you want it, it's yours. So I'm thinking to myself, awesome. But something told me, you know, hey, you know, don't give up on your search yet. Look a little bit more. And it was on a Friday. And at this time, Dustin reached back out to me and said, hey, I'll actually sell you the van too. It's a 78. And he started telling me everything about the van. And I was really interested in buying the van and the truck as a package deal because I was like, maybe I can flip the van and make some money. And the hoarder in me was like, maybe I'll just keep the van. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so he gave me a price as a package deal for the van and the truck and the deal was good. So I was like, okay. So now in my head, I'm like, I'm going to buy these two and the other van from my friend Stacy. So now I went from having two projects I couldn't handle to potentially about to have three, <laughs> you know? So I'm like, okay, well, at least one of them runs and drives the truck. But something told me, don't give up on the search just yet. And it was on a Friday and I'm doing my route at work. And for some reason, the thought crossed my mind of a Mopar that I've tried to seriously buy once. And then one other time I wasn't so serious, but I wondered if it was for sale. Um, so we'll go ahead and say that I tried to buy it twice and I failed both times. And the second time I tried to buy it, the most serious time I tried to buy it, I tried to sell everything I had um, to get this vehicle because it was something that I really, really wanted. And it was special to me. And we're going to get into that on the next episode. But what I can tell you is that as it turns out, I had to go through all my messages again, <laughs> much like I did for the truck that I ended up not buying, the uh, big block short bed. I ended up going through all my messages because I had talked to the owner after my friend. So my friend owned this truck and he ended up selling it. And the guy who bought it from him, you know, did some, did some modifications that I really didn't care for. I thought he, you know, if I'm being honest here, I thought he butchered it. <laughs> and I really was not happy with, you know, where the truck was headed, you know, the direction it was headed in. So I'm sitting there and, and the thought of this truck popped into my head. Yes, I, I guess I just spilled the beans. It's a truck. And if you follow my social media, you already know what the truck is. So it's not that big of a surprise, but it's a tin grill. And I reached out to the guy and I said, Hey, I told you when I approached you about buying it the first time that if I ever came up with the money, I would buy it from you because I couldn't do it at that time. I couldn't come up with the cash. Nobody wanted to buy my stuff. Maybe I was asking too much for it. I don't know but I couldn't come up with the cash. And even if I had sold all my stuff, he wanted enough for that truck that I would have to somehow find extra money. And that was just something that wasn't possible at the time. So I end up reaching out to that guy. I found the messages. I reached out to him and said, Hey, I told you I would buy the truck. If I ever had the money, I have the money. Let's make this happen. And to make a long story short, he says, Hey, I sold the truck last year. So I'm bummed, <laughs> but you know, the Mopar hunter in me goes, what's the guy's name? Where does he live? So I get the guy's name, find out where he lives. I hunt him down on social media. I hunt him down on Facebook and I ask him, Hey, do you still have the truck? And he says, yes. And he says, I'm just getting ready to paint it in the next week. And I, I 
you know, was shocked because the cool part or the coolest part, I should say, of this truck is the paint job. So I'm like, no, don't paint it. Is it for sale? And he's like, how did you find me, first of all? So I tell him that I hunted down the guy who I was trying to buy it from the second time. And he told me he had sold it to you. So here I am. And he said, well, I really, basically he said, I wasn't really planning on selling it for a while, but you know, everything has a price. So at this point I knew he had me by the balls. Cause I mean, a guy doesn't reach out to you about a vehicle that you have to ask you if it's for sale, if he doesn't have every intention of buying it, you know what I mean? And I knew in my heart, I knew whatever number this guy gives me is the number that I was willing to pay. I was ready to empty all my money for this thing. So that's pretty much what I did. He gave me the price. And although it was really high and more than I had intended on paying for it, it was worth it to me. So I bought it. And we're going to get into that whole story on the next episode, the final installment of this three episode drop. We'll see you on the next one. Stay tuned. That's it, my friends. Another episode of Talking Mopars is in the books. For everything you need to know about this podcast and to find all the merch that you can order to help support the show, please visit TalkingMopars.com. And to hear your story on the show, you can share it yourself by leaving me a voice message on my voicemail box at 209-28-MOPAR. Or if you're shy, you can email them to me for me to tell by sending your story to Chris at TalkingMopars.com. So you can share your own story and have it told on the show by you, or you can send it to me and I'll tell it for you. And remember, my new handle on both Facebook and Instagram is at Talking Mopars Podcast. But if you already like and follow the Mopar Hunter, then you are already on board. So don't be surprised if posts stop coming from the old handle, which was Talking Mopars. I just thought consolidating my social media accounts was the smart move to make. And now I save some time on the back end of things. So that's good for me. But thank you for joining me on the second episode of this three-episode drop. As I said in the last episode, once this three-episode drop is done, we'll get back to the show's regular format, but also more Direct Connections episodes and Facebook live streams are coming soon. So stay tuned. I am your host, Chris Albrecht, and that was Talking Mopars. Thank you for listening to Talking Mopars, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Until next time, remember, no Mopar left behind.